This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I am your host, Brother Joe Carpenter, and today I'm here in the studio with Brother John O. Sims. And brother, we walk down the hallways of the church today and folks are decorating and gearing up for Vacation Bible School. It's, it's summertime. that time of year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hot. Yep. Uh, what was it, about 85 degrees on your ride this morning? At least, and that was like at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Humid, but I'm glad. That's the way summer's supposed to be. It is. It's wonderful. It's the, it's just good to see the Lord changing all of the seasons and yep. we get to be a part of it. And uh get to be a part of some of the good seasons that we're seeing here in the church as well. Amen. Uh, we've come off of a wonderful weekend here in the church, life of the church. I had a membership information class yesterday that I had the privilege of teaching half of it. Brother Ryan taught the first half of it. Uh, we had somewhere close to 20 people in the class, and it's just sweet to be able to talk about uh, important things going on there. People eager uh, to learn more about us, people eager to join the church, people yep. have come to faith in Christ. We've just seen some wonderful things, even on on the heels of youth camp. Right, right. You know, I think we had six or seven students that uh, believe that you know Christ has saved them. Mm-hmm. And Brother Don Singleton left our camp and went mm-hmm. down to preach the youth camp. They call it Super Camp mm-hmm. of Grace Life Church of Muscle Shoals. And God just really, really moved in that camp down there. Mm-hmm. And I think they had 20, 25 students that, um, you know, are confessing that they were saved. Mm-hmm. And I know they're following up on them just like we are here. Mm-hmm. But it's it's why we do it. It's, you know, I, I know the people that listen to the podcast listened to the one we did from youth camp on the attributes of God. and. Uh, you preach and teach those great grand doctrinal themes and to see the Holy Spirit move and the work of regeneration take place. It's just, it's why I go every year. It's Amen. its a joy. It's its a blessing. Amen. And it's spilling over to our church. It really is. And, you know, every, I would almost trace it back. I don't know if it, if uh-uh. if adult camp would be far enough. I think it would be. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. God mm-hmm. was moving there. Mm-hmm. I'll Love never that. forget, too, a couple of years ago when we had Brother Jimmy Milliken come yeah. and preach here. You yeah. called us to pray for and to seek revival, yeah. and it seems as though the Lord is answering that. Amen, brother. So. It's it's an encouraging thing to see that as dark as the day is around yeah. us, the light of Christ still shines strong, brother. That's right. Amen. That's right. Well, we're today we're going to talk about small groups, mm. and uh, this is very fitting. Yesterday, again, I, ta- I got to teach membership class, and, of course, we talk about small groups in there and yeah. how that's a very instrumental column, if you will, that kind of that, that, that supports the church here, that holds that holds things together here. Right. And, uh, uh, so I, I thought it would be good just to begin by I'm going to read the statement that we've got on small groups okay. and then just turn you loose, brother, okay. because there's so much to say about small groups. Right. Uh, you've preached on it as being one of our distinctives. Yes. Uh, but you've also preached on it recently, and I hope we get to dive into that uh, and about the practical challenges that you had for us as a church family. But in our in our uh, church membership class, anytime anybody comes through it and they're eager to find out who we are, one of the things that we talk about is small groups. And our statement for small groups goes like this. Small groups, that is the church family organized into small groups to evangelize the lost, equip the saved, 
and to provide fellowship to meet individual needs. And I just kind of was able to say yesterday, as a being on staff here since 2015 now, mm-hmm. that I've been able to see all of this take place. Uh, you know, right now we've got one of our beloved brothers, uh, Gary Thrash, who we love dearly. He's almost like a right arm to a lot of us. He's a godly, wise man. He's a servant of the Lord. He's a teacher of the Word. and uh, Preaches. Preaches. Preaches the Word. Just yeah. preached for a brother down in uh, Allentown, Florida, right. uh, Brother Dustin Lambert. Preached for him. Gave that brother a break because... Yep. By the way, this brother loves pastors, and he supports them. He advocates for them regularly. I say all that to say that already his small group, another small group, these small groups, through these small groups, there's already ministry that's taken place to his family as he's in the hospital, uh, to his wife, to his children, to his grandchildren. Yes. And that's what small groups is all about. Amen. And I would just please plead with anybody listening to pray for Brother Gary. He mm-hmm. literally is in a battle for for his life right now. Yes. You know, uh, had a, a massive brain bleed, and um, he's right now being moved from Murfreesboro to Nashville to get the best treatment that he can possibly get. And so please pray for Brother Gary and mm-hmm. his family. But he really has exemplified, yes. you know, what small groups is. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you started by reading that statement because there's just a few things I want to say at the outset, and we'll just kind of see where this goes. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I want to say is this. Churches today are moving away from small group ministry. Some people call it Sunday school, and that's okay. I'm completely fine with that. But churches pretty much wholesale across denominational lines have just quit and given up on the ministry of small groups. And I think I know why. Mm -hmm. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. It's very hard work. And guys just, they're embroiled in so many fights and and they're embroiled in so many struggles to just be the pastor of the church that I think small groups is one of the things that a brother will let slide. This podcast is dedicated to say to everyone listening, please don't do that. Amen. Amen. That would be a terrible mistake. Mm-hmm. Perhaps one of the worst mistakes that you could possibly make as a pastor. And hopefully we can, guys that reach out to us, help them more, maybe even do another podcast on this. But we just wanted to lay some foundational things and talk about you know, what we do here mm-hmm. and why we do it. Mm-hmm. A second introductory statement that I'd like to make is this. And I just ask the brothers listening to please hear me out. Obviously, we're Sola Scriptura, and we believe that the way God builds His church is through the preaching of the Word. But another synonym for small groups would be every member ministry or body life, you know. And most churches, that's missing. Mm. They so focus only on expository preaching, which we do. We focus on expository preaching. Uh, This podcast is called The Faithful Expositor. (laughs) And we really do uh, have a robust, you know, ministry of expository preaching that guides everything we do. And by the way, small groups grew out of that. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have an every member ministry, body life, small group ministry, your church just kind of becomes a preaching point. Mm -hmm. And what happens is people come, they hear a message, it's true to the word, and they leave and don't do much with it. Yeah. And the poor pastor out there, 
is uh, though he doesn't know it, he's dooming himself to a life of all the ministry falling on him. Yeah, that is horrible. Yes, and, and you cannot <laughs> you cannot exist in that climate mm-hmm. for very long, brother. And I think that's one of the things that gets a lot of brothers is they are doing all the preaching and all the ministering. And thank the Lord, we decided years ago to hang in there with small groups even though it's very, very difficult, very, very hard work. And in small group ministry, it's not real glamorous. You take a step forward and three back, it seems. Yeah. But now Lord, now the Lord has blessed us to where, you know, 22 and a half years in, it's catching. Yeah. And our small groups are, they do the bulk of the ministry in our church. Yeah, they get it. They lead out in church discipline. Yes. They They lead yes. out in, in, in um, you know, keeping our membership, uh, active membership role up to date with what we do called the sin discipline for the sin of forsaking church. Our small groups lead out in that. Evangelism. Well, what you read in that statement, evangelize the lost, equip the saved, and provide ministry to meet individual needs. Mm -hmm. That really is what guides us. And it takes decades you can't just hit a lick at a stick at this and your people get it. <laughs> yeah. You you have to preach this, you have to teach it, and you have to constantly hold it before your people as a priority. Amen. And and even then it takes, you know, a long, long time. Another introductory uh, statement that I want to make about small groups, because I'm afraid if I don't say it, we won't get it in, mm-hmm. is that, and I believe this is biblically based, but our small groups are all age-graded mm-hmm. and gender-graded. Now, I can make a case for the gender-grading, and that is uh, Paul says that uh, I permit not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man. Mm-hmm. We don't believe it's biblical for women to be teaching men. Amen. And um, we've just discovered through the years that I can't be in a close one-on-one discipleship relationship with a woman right. other than my wife right. without putting the integrity of the ministry at risk. And so women teaching women and men teaching men has been the best way we have found to make disciples. And the reason we age grade is because it puts people kind of at the same life points yeah. with where other people are. You don't have the women who are where Kayla is and now has raised five children and has five grandchildren in with the, uh, you know, girls that just got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that wouldn't be a good balance. And so we, we age grade and we gender grade our small groups. Mm-hmm. Now, y- you brought it up just this morning in a discussion that we were having about one of our ladies' Sunday school classes and an issue that they were dealing with, a sin issue. Yeah. And I said to you, there's no way yeah. that that sin issue could be dealt with in a co-ed class. That's right. It, it would be too sen- of a too sensitive of a nature mm-hmm. for them for them to talk about it. But in the gender graded classes, communication flowed freely, and the sisters and the brothers too in the other class were able to open up and share their hearts about what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then that class rallied around that sister Mm -hmm. and they were able to love on her and minister to her. Um, Brother Jeff Noblet calls that bonding. And it takes a while for bonding to take place. But when bonding takes place, then transparency breaks out Mm -hmm. and and people feel 
that they can do what James says, confess your faults one to another, mm-hmm. you know. And There's and a freedom that's There's some there. freedom in that. Yeah. There is. Just another introductory statement I'd make, and then, by the way, we'll, we'll flesh any of these out if you want to or we'll move on. We will, yeah. But um, I've been in the churches of a lot of uh, guys that, you know, we're in the reform camp, and I've been in the churches of a lot of brothers in the reform camp, and I think that their view of small groups is off a little bit in this regard. They view small groups as something that can only be taught by the elders. And what it kind of boils down to in their churches is you have an elder who's basically teaching a book of the Bible. And that's good, that's okay, but the problem is it circumvents body life. It circumvents these ministry needs. Mm And I know we'll talk about that again here in a moment, but there's not that transparency. Basically, it just becomes another sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy has a yeah. little yeah. small flock that he's now uh, teaching a book of the Bible, and they're going verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Now, we do go through books of the Bible in small groups, mm-hmm. but it's not a miniature sermon, you know, and it's not a guy treating the small group as if it was a church. Yeah. And, and we don't restrict obviously the teaching of small groups in our church only to the to elders right. we spread that among the body mm-hmm. and it opens up opportunities for more ministry and more meeting needs and more fellowship so mm-hmm. those are just some disclaimers i wanted to get out amen up front and, and i want to do that i would like to go back and talk about some of those as well as be able to touch on the message is messages that you've preached on this sure But the first thing I would talk about would be where you started off with your first point there that you've seen that there are many churches that are moving away from this. There's a drift, I guess you could say. And the number one reason you see for that is uh, because it's hard work. Yes. I wanted to touch on that. What what exactly would be considered that hard work of small groups that people are afraid of or they just don't want to get their hands dirty doing it? Well, you know, the first thing, these are just, I don't have anything written down, but the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, obviously, we are asking a teacher uh, to study a lesson. That's right. And, you know, it's it's, uh, not some superficial lesson. It's, it's, It's a, we're going through the book of Genesis right now. Yeah. And so they're working verse by verse through the book of Genesis. That requires some study, brother. It does. I think to do small groups rightly, probably a teacher's going to be studying at least a couple, maybe three days a week, yeah. you know, where they're really working on that um, lesson. Mm-hmm. And then to, to, to move beyond that, I just think about my wife as an example. Mm-hmm. She's taught uh, Tuesday's our anniversary. We'll have been married 37 years. Mm-hmm. Kayla's taught Sunday school for 37 years. Mm-hmm. And right now, Kayla is the teacher over what we call Ladies One, mm-hmm. which would be young girls that come out of the college and career, and they've just gotten married, and so they're newlyweds and probably just having their first baby. Mm-hmm. And so my wife's class, as just as an example, is the class in the church that does all the bridal showers. They are. And does all the baby showers. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be honest with you, we've had years where, you know, that might be, brother, 15, 20 plus, mm-hmm. you know, when you combine bridal showers and baby showers together. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of work. It is. Now, our church finally, uh, you know, kind of got wise to that and opened up some, it was really more than one small group could do. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by hard work. And mm-hmm. then... 
you know, we do evangelistic outreaches when we have a revival coming up. Yeah. Like you said with Jimmy Milliken, when we have our fall outreach, we'll ask our small groups to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, uh, they're usually the first lead in a church discipline case. And yeah. so sometimes it's the small group that's called upon to go visit and see a brother or a sister that are out of sorts or hadn't been here in a while or kind of we're concerned about, you know, that's moving in a wrong direction. Hmm. And so, brother, it's it's uh, intensive labor. Yeah. And it, it calls for people that are spending time in prayer. Mm-hmm. They're spending time in the Word. And, you know, you mentioned to me just this morning, uh, and Brother Ryan, a mm-hmm. brother that we're considering for a small group that said to us, hey, I need to wait just a while. You know, yeah. I need to wait a little while longer. There's just a few things I need to get in order. And that just testifies to the fact that people in our church take it serious. Mm-hmm. And so when I say it's hard work, and I, I know I'm leaving a lot out, mm-hmm. but just the fellowship, yes. um, planning fellowships, our classes, we ask them to meet uh, you know, regularly in someone's home just for a fellowship or maybe uh, a group of women get together and go to the Bell Buckle Square and shop and then go mm-hmm. to the cafe and hang out. Mm-hmm. You know, that that may sound like fun, and it is, and mm-hmm. we want to do those things, but it still requires time. Mm-hmm. And we're asking people to be relational. Mm-hmm. We're asking them to be fellowship, he- heavy on fellowship, yeah. heavy on application, heavy on relationships. And you know as well as I do, brother, that takes time. Yeah. And the way our small groups are structured, the reason we grade by age, we try to keep our small groups relatively small in size mm-hmm. so that they're not just a mini church. Yes. So I would say probably the average attendance per each small group is going to be in the you know, 12 to 15-ish range. Mm-hmm. And you think about having 15 pl- people that you're responsible for to keep up with, to know what's going on in their lives, to pray with, mm-hmm. to to rejoice with when they rejoice, to weep with when they weep, to celebrate with when they celebrate, and to teach them the word mm-hmm. and to pray, visit them in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the thing, brother, is back to what I said, a large part of what historically and typically has been demanded of a pastor, mm-hmm. which is insanity, mm-hmm. to put all that on a pastor, yeah. has been lifted off of me mm-hmm. because our small groups do it. Yeah. Now, you know I was out late last night on a hospital visit. That's right. Yeah. But I wanted to, yes. and I still do that. Mm-hmm. But by and large, people in our church no longer look to me That's right. to do all the ministry. Their first reaction instinct is to look to their small group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'd say this, just to tack on to that, from a pastoral perspective, there's a lot of hard work that's going to be involved in giving oversight, kind of, uh, you know, that trellis in the vine model. Yes. We're basically building the trellis there so that the vine can begin to grow. And there, it is hard work to do that. But would you agree, too, that once that's kind of up and going and people, for lack of a better term, catch the vision for it and they understand it and they understand the pastoral responsibility or work that's involved really does kind of lessen. It does. We'll get to that later to think more. but And that's why that's such a great book that everybody should read. Every pastor should read The Trellis and the Vine. The guy's name is Colin something. I can't uh, remember. Payne. Colin Payne. Colin Payne. Yes, that's sir. it. Thank you for helping me out mm-hmm. there. That's a good read. It is. Yeah, once you get the trellis built, 
and the vine's good and attached to it, then, you know, you get into fruit picking years and it it becomes a joy. Mm -hmm. Let me say one other thing, and this is huge, (laughs) and I left this out. I'm so glad that the Lord brought this to my attention. But, you know, we are fully invested and anchored in truth. Yes, sir. And, brother, what do we have through Anchored in Truth? Seventy-plus missionaries, church planters uh, all over the world. Each one of our small groups uh, under your leadership as the missions pastor has adopted two or three missionaries. Mm -hmm. And it's their job Mm -hmm. to stay in contact with that missionary. Mm -hmm. Uh, They send them Christmas cards. They send their children birthday cards. They... Gary Thrash's class. Yeah, led the way, by the way. Led the way to go down to Allentown, Florida, help reconstruct that building down there for Brother Dustin Lambert. They go down there and minister at least once a year. They go down there and teach. They've participated in vacation Bible schools. So the thing I'm trying to get brothers to see here is, is that behind the banner Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church is a small army. Yeah of people that have been discipled through expository preaching over 20 years that are now carrying the lion's share of ministry, evangelism, Mm -hmm. and missions involvement. And to the tune that now small groups will say, hey, there's a mission trip coming up with Anchored in Truth, less like the one you're bringing before us. Right to come soon. Mm-hmm. And so they really do carry the the burden they of do. all things ministry, just like the statements you read at the outset. Mm-hmm. And it's so to answer your question, that's hard work. It is. It is. Uh, and that's one reason why we also, we don't call them small group teachers, right. although that's part of what they sure. do. Yeah. We call them small group leaders yes. because they really are leading in these areas. Yes. Uh, we with within each small group, you're going to have somebody that's kind of designated under the leadership of that small group leader, a, a sort of a fellowship or outreach coordinator, a, yep. a missions coordinator, and yep. and that's work in keeping those things in check. Plus, they're looking out and seeing if there's anybody else in the class who could be discipled into yes. becoming a small group leader one day. It's the love of Christ. Hmm. It's the heart of Christ. It's the hands and the feet of Christ. It's where the rubber meets the road. Hmm. You know, I could go to the pulpit and and teach a text of Scripture and be exegetically correct mm-hmm. and walk out of the pulpit and just be a touch-me-not in my ivory tower and nobody can approach me. And a lot of guys, and that's horrible. Hmm. That's the worst pastoral model that I've ever seen. Hmm. And you need to pray and ask God to help you be friendly. Amen. And you need to pray and ask God to help you be kind. Those are fruits of the Spirit, by the way. Yeah. And you need to pray and ask God to help you be a part of the body and mm-hmm. fellowship and love the people. But, man, small groups take that to a whole new level Yeah. when it catches. And it takes years. Mm-hmm. And when a person far, first starts out in small groups, they're not going to be able to have the numbers of small groups that we have. Right. They might only be able to have two or three small group classes. But in that small form, they can already begin to carry out what will spread mm-hmm. through the years You know, as the body grows and maturity grows and God raises up more leaders. Mm-hmm. You've taught Ryan and I over the years. And by the way, Ryan heads up the small groups right. here and does a bang-up job. He does. Uh, 
But one of the things you've always taught us, too, is that when we're talking about an evangelism campaign or something to that effect, which I don't even like using that kind of terminology, or or if we're talking about uh, something with regards to uh, you know in- implementing peacemaker principles and things, you've always taught us these are things that need to be done through the small group. Brother Jeff always says it this way, why do you keep reinventing the wheel? Yeah. And most churches, if you look at them, they, they're constantly and habitually creating new ministries. Yeah. We got, because, and, and it's because this needs not being met, that needs not being met. Well, we don't do that. Right. Our first knee jerk is small groups. Mm-hmm. Go to the small groups. Mm-hmm. This is what they're there for. We, you don't have to keep, when's the last time we created a new ministry? Right. I can't even remember it. Mm-hmm. We just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Because if there's a ministry need, small groups is the answer. That's right. Um, you know, one other thing I'd like to say before I forget, in my opinion, the um, the teacher of our generation uh, on small groups, you know, used to, it was Leon Kilbreth, and he went to be with the Lord, and then Noel Wright did for many years, and Noel Wright's still with us, but I think he's kind of uh, out of that ministry now. But David Young. Yes, sir. And, and David Young down at Grace Life Church in Muscle Shoals, even though David is moving into more of a retired capacity now, David is all things small group. Mm-hmm. And he did a session in the Pastoral Training Institute last year on small groups. Mm. It would be worth every pastor's time to look up that uh, session in the Pastoral Training Institute and just listen to David's teaching yep. on small groups because he did a thorough job of laying out the principles of how small group ministry functions and operates within the local church. I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, and definitely worth your while. We, yeah. Ryan, uh, you know, our small group's leader, the pastor that's over in charge of that, he has gone to David Young many times. Absolutely. Looking for counsel. Hey, what would you do here, brother? How would you implement this? And you David's know, been a wealth of information. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I really do. I hope I'm wrong. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's not some brothers out there that really enjoy listening to this podcast when they see the heading of today's session, small groups, will yawn and think, ah, I'm not going to listen to that one. What a mistake. Yes. Even though we're not going to be able to be exhaustive here, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're really, they're, they're, they're cutting their nose off to spite their own face. Mm -hmm. And, and, and here's what I mean. They don't understand the blessing. Mm Mm-hmm that it could personally be to them mm-hmm. down the road when they get to be my age That's right. of having a team, an army mm-hmm. of, of, of small group leaders around them that are now implementing all the things they've taught them for all those years. Mm-hmm. And that's what we mean by body life, every member ministry, mm-hmm. that every member of our church, our goal is for them to be plugged into a small group and to be actively serving the Lord through that small group. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Ephesus, and I know you've—I believe you've preached through Ephesians before, haven't you? Yes, sir. Yes, mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse eleven. <clears throat> he, that's the Lord Jesus, gave some to the church as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Some people get that confused. They think that the pastors and the teachers are given to the church to do the work of ministry. 
Right. But that's not what the text not says. At all. Not at all. It's we we exist, you and I, brother Ryan. We exist not to be the uh, the ones who do it all and all, right? But to equip, equip the saints do it. And you've taught us very well that the number one place we do that equipping is from the pulpit. Yep. Is, is to preach the word. But as we preach the word, as you preach the word, like you said, they start applying it. Yes. They start putting it into action, and that's where small groups comes into play. I think the way the King James Version states is equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm. My job is to equip them to do the work. Now, this is what I've always said. I'm just one man. I'm not omnipresent like the Lord. <laughs> I can only be in one place at one time. Mm-hmm. I will do. I'm a member of this church. I will do one member's share. Yeah. But that's all I'm capable of doing. Yeah. I have to have other members come along that have been taught the word and do the work of the ministry with me. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. I don't mind being a part. I don't mind uh, being fully invested in everything that I'm asking our church to do. But in no way do they look to me as the hired gun yeah. to go out and get it all done. That's mm-hmm. just crazy. Yep. It is absolutely crazy, and that's another podcast for another time. It is. The unrealistic expectations that congregations put on one man. No mm-hmm. wonder pastors are the most unhealthy men in the world. No wonder they're dying of heart attacks. No wonder the, the dropout rate in the ministry is through the roof. It, it's, it's because it's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And unachievable and mm-hmm. unattainable for one man. And by the way, it's not biblical. That's right. And a lot of guys in pride, because they love to be the center of attention, mm. they kind of enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. I, to me, the greatest joy is to have as many moving parts as we possibly can mm-hmm. um, doing their work and, and, and serving the Lord. You taught me once, and for, I may misquote it. I may not say it perfectly here, but you said something to the effect of this. Why would you spend all your chips doing what someone else can do? Do what God has gifted you particularly to do. I think it was Warren Wiersbe in the Acts chapter 6 commentary. Mm. And he said, why should the apostles do what anyone can do when they could do what no one could do? Mm. And they were uniquely gifted by God to give themselves to the ministry of prayer and the teaching of the word. Mm -hmm. But they turned that daily ministration over to, you know, other brothers. And that's kind of needs to be our attitude. I agree. Another brother said it's it's better to put ten men to work than to do the work of ten men. Wow. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I've learned that the hard way. Work smarter, not yeah. harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and so and and boy, it the Holy Spirit has gifted the local church with everything that it needs to carry out the ministry of Christ. That's right. The pastor needs to not suppress those gifts by himself doing everything. Amen. You got to let the body blossom and bloom, and you've got to let people step out. And there's going people going to make some mistakes, but that's not the end of the world. And and I think that's why this quote elder model that only the elders can teach small groups is because guys are afraid that somebody might make a mistake. Well, I'm pop your bubble; they're going to. Yeah. But that's not the end of the world, mm-hmm. and that's why you're there to help teach them and guide them and correct them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd rather have 10 men working than me trying to do the work of 10 men. Exactly. No doubt. Getting into that elder model just a little bit more that you were kind of talking about there where you said that there are some small groups who, you know, that, that the church leadership believes that it should only be taught by elders. And what ends up happening is you get those kind of full-blown expositions 
you know. Uh, it's a seminary class. It's a seminary class. What they've done is they've basically uh, looked at the church and mapped out how you can get your Master of Divinity in 10 years <laughs> if you stay here. And people get a lot of information. Sure. They get a lot of information, but if you look at that church, there's zero body life. That's right. They're not doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. And Brother Jeff always says all theology is local church theology. Mm-hmm. Why should we teach theology unless it manifests itself in practicality and ministry? Mm-hmm. Uh, teaching the Word is to the end that people would serve and obey and follow and make disciples and train others to train others to train others, Second Timothy 2. 2-2. Two, two. Two, two. Yep. And so... You know, faithful men teaching faithful men that teach faithful men. That's right. That's the kind of model we're following. And by the way, we feel like we take a step forward and three back. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's so slow. Yeah. And it and no wonder guys quit. Yeah. And give up on it because it can be discouraging, but it's also very rewarding. Yeah. And one of the recent messages that you preached, and I, let me just take a moment and encourage our listeners, if you would go back onto our app or our to our website and listen to the message that Brother Jono preached. I believe the title was the ministry of of, of the small group, uh, where he preached from Acts chapter one, and uh, take a moment and listen to that. But one of the things you challenged us to do, particularly those that are small group leaders, yeah. was that you don't have to be the next little John MacArthur, right? no, or John O. Sims, or mm-hmm. Joe Carpenter, mm-hmm. or Jeff Noblet, or whatever the name of your pastor is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a toxic downsize to being in a strong expository pulpit church like ours yeah. is that people think they need to duplicate what I'm doing. Right. And that's not what we're asking them to do. I f- here's what I feel good about. I'm preaching three times on Sunday. I'm giving three expositions on every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then you come in armed to the teeth on Wednesday night and follow up with a fourth mm-hmm. exposition. So there's there's four expositions a week. Uh, one of those is the same, but mm-hmm. four expositions a week where people have an opportunity mm-hmm. to receive a very well studied, uh, very well prayed over, thought out, delivered exposition of Scripture. They're being fed. They're being fed, <laughs> brother. And so... Um, we don't look at small groups as an opportunity to give them another expositional banquet. Mm-hmm. The message is thoroughly biblical. The, the lesson is thir- it's, it is verse by verse. We do go through books of the Bible. That's right. But I had much rather them go in and spend the first, let's say, small groups last an hour. Yeah. Spend, spend the first 30 minutes just fellowshipping, mm-hmm. taking prayer requests, um, finding out what the needs are praying, mm-hmm. uh, ministering to each other, planning their next fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, planning their next evangelistic visit, mm-hmm. um, talking about who are prospects for their class mm-hmm. and how could we cultivate a way to reach this prospect and bring them into our small group. Because here's what we've discovered. If someone gets connected with our church, but they don't get connected with small group, they typically don't stay. That's right. And they're very not, not very productive at all. Mm-hmm. And so we, we really try to get them hardwired to a small group. Mm-hmm. And then maybe spend, you know, the last 30, 35 minutes or whatever um, working through the lesson together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and discussing, you know, the lesson together. And it's thoroughly biblical. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, um, having those outside fellowships and those outside get-togethers. Now, tomorrow night we have a church-wide picnic, mm. so that's an opportunity for the whole body to get together. But I'm going to challenge you on something. Yes, sir. You remember I said it. You yeah. watch. Yeah. When we get to H.V. Griffith Park tomorrow, tomorrow night, <laughs> you look around. And it'll be all the little small groups. They'll all co- they'll all pair up, and and they'll th- they will grade themselves by age, and they'll grade <laughs> themselves by gender. Just you naturally. Watch. It naturally happens. Mm-hmm. The moms that have babies, they gravitate toward the other moms that yeah. have babies. The guys that are retired, they gravitate toward the brothers that are retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just watch and see. Mm-hmm. It, it just naturally happens. Yeah. And so we just we just use that as a tool then to uh, minister to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's you know that's usually what our our small groups typically end up looking like. It and is. I, I just want to throw one caveat out there to that too, brother Ryan does a really good job, and you challenged the church as well in this. Part of what makes that so effective too, uh, and maybe I would even say takes some of the burden off of the leader, is the fact that we ask our people all throughout the week to be looking ahead to use even the small group lesson as part of their devotional time. Absolutely. To be prepared for it. Yes. Because when that's the case, when they come into class, you don't necessarily have to have sit down with a three-point bulleted uh, lesson there. We can start discussing application Yeah. and get into how does this apply to and me as a needs. dad. That's right. Yeah. I heard years ago, I think when he was with the Center for Church Reform, mm-hmm. you know, back when that was going, it may still be going, but Mark Dever mm-hmm. uh, interviewed John MacArthur, mm-hmm. and it's back when CDs were still being put out, and I popped that CD into my truck, and Dever asked Dr. MacArthur a question. He said, I've always heard that, you know, uh, a pastor needs to study for preaching but he needs to have a separate devotional life in which he's just reading devotionally. And he said, what do you think about that? And Dr. MacArthur said, I totally disagree. Amen. He said, I can only be given to one thing. Yeah. He said, for me to be given to the text, it requires me to meditate and think and mull over that text all week long. I would take that principle and apply it to the Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Why Or to the church. Yes. Why would you look for another devotional plan of study mm-hmm. when your church already has one laid out for you? Yeah. Use that small group lesson to, to, to study that week and pray over it and then come to the class on Sunday prepared to discuss it. It just will cause your growth in Christ to just soar, mm-hmm. you know. And this is something that you've helped me to focus the lens on over the years too. Obviously, we, we don't try to heap regulation after regulation after sure. make sure you do this or do that. But one of the things that you've helped me to see is the, is simplicity. Mm. That you know, we, we we don't ask much of of our people. Be prepared for small groups. Yeah. When you come to church, be prepared for small groups. Study the lesson, be prepared for it. Be thinking about uh, ways that this applies to your own life and be ready to discuss these things. Right. Be prepared for the uh, uh, the message. Yes. You know where Brother John is going to be preaching. Be an expository listener, mm-hmm. which is one of the small group studies we went through. Exactly. And if you're doing all of that... You don't have time for anything else, brother. If you're a parent, you've got kids, and they're involved in any <laughs> any extracurricular activities at all, 
I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Exactly. I just, uh, you know, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, that your church has laid out for you a great regimen of material for your disciple. Everything you need to be discipled is right here. Yeah. And that's the way I want it to be if people would just follow that plan, yeah. you know. It's safe to call it then, I would say, then the disciple-making arm of 100% brother, Church. We have none other. Yeah. Now, you know I believe that the pulpit's the chief disciple-making tool, no doubt about it. Because, by the way, just for the record, we wouldn't have an active, vibrant, small group ministry if it hadn't been established through the pulpit. That's right. That's where it was established, as is everything else that we enjoy. Mm. It comes through the pulpit. The pulpit sets the tone and the temperature mm. for everything. But you can't stop there. Mm. You, you have to take what's taught there and apply it. And it is, no doubt. And let me say one other thing about that. It's the chief disciple-making arm of the church, no doubt. But I want to make one other statement about that. Now, here's where the simplicity comes in. Um, we Forbid's going to sound like a strong word. Sure. But we pretty much uh, forbid, don't allow, strongly discourage and don't we will not sanction any yes. other Bible studies through the week. Right. And I'll have through the years a lady come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I just long for a women's discipleship meeting on Tuesdays. And I say, we've already got one. It's called small groups. And I'll ask her, are you coming to small groups regularly? Right. Are you studying that lesson? Are you fully prayed up? See, that's the thing. Why? Why? like the Athenians, always looking for some new thing, Mm-mm. always looking for some new ministry. Mm-hmm. Or a brother will come to me and say, you know, I, Southern Baptists used to have the brotherhood, and we'd get together on Saturdays and have a sausage and biscuit, and can we do that? And I say, respectfully, brother, we're already doing it. Yeah. It's called small groups. Yeah. Are you being faithful to your small group? By the way, your small group met at Pope's Cafe <laughs> last Saturday for breakfast. Did you attend it? Yeah. And, and, and people mean well. But it's kind of like, I have this groovy idea, Pastor, and I want to lay it on you, and now you go execute it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> and, and what I want to say is, no, the Lord has given us a plan. Mm-hmm. We don't have Tuesday night Bible studies. We don't have a Monday morning uh, homeschool mom's Bible study. We don't have Thursday night senior adult Bible studies. We have small groups. Yeah. And here's what I've learned through the years. We can only do so many things well. Mm-hmm. We can only do so many things well. So what we've decided to do as a congregation is to keep it simple on these on these basic things. We're asking our people to be faithful to the not forsake the assembling of themselves together, to come to church prepared to be an expository listen, to be faithful to small groups yeah. and do the ministry of the work of the of the gospel through their small groups. Mm-hmm. Let that be their missions arm, their evangelistic arm, their discipleship arm. Mm-hmm. And if, Brother Joe, if you effectively do that, yep. You don't have time for anything else. Right. Here's the way it was for me and Kayla. We're faithful to our church, faithful to all services, sold out to Christ through our small group. And you know, brother, you know that up until we went to two services, I was in small group every week. Mm-hmm. When we went to two services, it was no longer possible. Mm-hmm. But me and Kayla are in church. We're in small groups completely given to that. Like I said, Kayla's taught small groups for 37 years. Mm-hmm. With five kids and them being at Cascade School, or homeschool, or however you do it. Cheerleaders. Brother, your kids are in archery, <laughs> oh, yeah. but y'all homeschool. Swimming. But the, they're in <laughs> swimming. They're in archery. Brother, my feeling was this. When 
when I am fully invested in my church's plan that it's laid out for me and small groups is a key to that, I don't have time for anything else. Mm -hmm. The other time I've got, I want to be with my family. Mm -hmm. I want to hunt a little bit or maybe ride my bike. Mm -hmm. And so if you're you're asking me to come to a Thursday night Bible study, a Tuesday night, that means I'm out Sunday night, Mm -hmm. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. I think some people get into sin, brother. They're out so much they can't be the husband they're supposed to be. They can't be the wife. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage brothers to keep it simple. And you can only do so many things well. Yeah. Do the ministry of the pulpit well. Do the ministry of the small group well. Mm-hmm. And don't you know, let people put a guilt trip on you because you're not doing 27 other things throughout the week. It'll mm-hmm. kill you. Yeah. You're not pacing yourself for the long race ahead. Mm-hmm. If you're going to run this race and finish it, man, you're going to have to decide where to spend your energy. That's right. And I want to challenge you that small groups is where you need to do it. Amen, brother. I wholeheartedly agree. One of the statements we always say when we teach the membership information class is that God is not so much as concerned with your activity as he is with obedience. Yes. And it seems clear to me that small groups is something that is clearly laid out, outlined from the scriptures. It is. And, you know, a person can be disobedient, obviously, to Christ and to the gospel. But from our end, there is no such thing as joining Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church without joining a small group. That's That's not a possibility. Right. When you join our church, you're immediately told this is your class. They meet in this room. This is the age group. Here's the time they meet. Here's the literature that they're studying. To join our church is to join small groups. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a membership that attends worship but doesn't come to small groups. Yeah. And if you look at our percentage, it's very, very high mm-hmm. of people that attend worship that come to small groups. There's, it's very, very high percentage right. of our 80% plus, yeah, plus. Mm-hmm. That, that come to small groups that attend the worship service. Yeah. And it's because we've emphasized that. You know, obviously, I can be an idealist and say I wish it was 100%, and mm-hmm. I do. But we strongly stress that people be active and engaged in their small group. One of the questions, I'm eating with a family here in just about two hours right. uh, with a family that wants to come and join the church. Yes. And one of the very first questions I ever ask is, have you been to small groups already? I've heard you do it. And I'll say this, the ones who say yes. You know they're getting plugged in. We're, yeah, they're in. They're in, brother, because <laughs> they understand what we're, and it's, by the way, it's ministering to them. Yes, the, the, the strings of their heart are being strummed. Mm-hmm. Their, their needs are being met. Mm-hmm. They're finding friends. Yep. They're, they're, they're making lifelong you know bonds like mm-hmm. we talked about. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a wonderful thing. It is. Now, we've got a long way to go, brother. You yep. know that. Yep. We still falter and fail and, and still make mistakes. But make no mistake about it. This is something we're committed to. Mm-hmm. One last thing I'd say on it with regards to the evangelistic aspect of it, too, and members coming in, we practice something called open enrollment. Right. Uh, can you explain a little bit of that to our listeners? I can. We faltered at it a little bit. I'm just trying to be honest. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're, you know, but we have that little bifold mm-hmm. uh, pamphlet that has been printed up by our church, and we give those to people. We were used to be more aggressive at it than we are right now, which, by the way, we need to really challenge our people to get back to that. Yeah. But one of the things we do is is that we uh, enroll people in a small group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever we do a friend day or a fall outreach, we'll say to them, look, on this day, 
this is our small group. It's your age, and we're inviting you to come. It's a group of men that I think you'll really enjoy. Really mm-hmm. enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. Got a lot in common with. Got a lot in common with to them. some degree. Yeah, exactly. And so we we enroll them, and anybody can come to a small group Bible study. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not church membership. Right. Anybody can come to a small group Bible study, and uh, almost without fail, anyone that does that. Uh, you know, either ends up getting saved mm. or they end up joining the church on down the road, whatever the case needs to be. I've seen the case where that person's name will be put on a membership role of a class. And yeah. again, this is, like you said, this isn't a church role. This right. isn't the Lamb's Book of Life. You right. Know, this, right. What we're doing here is just basically, it's almost a prospect to, list. It is. It is. It's an evangelistic outreach to uh, meet with people. And uh, this, you know, this is this is a horrible way to state it, mm. uh, but I know I'm right. Uh, the Mor- the Mormons and the Jehovah's mm. Witnesses mm. stole stole our small group enrollment mm. knowledge that we've understood for years and built two cults on it. Yeah, mm. and and how how do Mormons get? Hey, we're doing a Bible study, Let's, and people go to that, and boom, they get sucked up in mm-hmm. that. Brother, we should be doing that with truth. That's right. We should be saying, hey, man, we've got the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll teach you the truth of God's word in context, historically correct, verse by verse. And we'll also form relationships with you to help you grow, mm-hmm. help be with you in every stage of life that you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who wouldn't want a friend and a peer group like that to help them through life? Amen. And, you know, a lot of people respond to that. Yeah, they do. They do. Well, brother, do you have any other further thoughts? I think we may be getting close to a point where we can wrap it up here. Do you have any further thoughts or encouragements to pastors out there who some, like you said, they may be starting to let it slip or maybe they've just never even thought about small groups before? I just want to conclude where we started, and that is, you know, you do or don't do things in the early stages of your ministry that either pay great dividends or rob you. Hmm. And what I would say is this would be one that if you are faithful and you plant the seeds and you cultivate this garden called mm-hmm. small small groups, when you get to be my age, ministry will be a joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have some longevity. Maybe you won't die of a heart attack because you're trying to be everybody's everything yeah. and you're trying to do meet all the needs and be at everyone's beck and call. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a curse. I, I could not endure that. Right. If I had to do that, I know I could not do that. Mm. I, I just don't have the desire or the energy. And I, it would be sin because I, I'm, I'm robbing God of glory. Mm. And it would be cheating this body because I would be not allowing the gifts of this church to be, that the Holy Spirit's given to be put mm. into use. And so I would just say to a brother, um, use the energy you have right now to begin to train faithful men and women, to train faithful men and women, to train faithful men and women. And one day uh, you're going to be out there and have a group of people standing lock arms with you to help you teach the word, meet the needs, uh, and it's not going to all be on you. Mm-hmm. And your job is to be a disciple maker. Yeah. The Great Commission is to go forth and make disciples. This mm-hmm. is how we do it. Amen. Well, thank you for the conversation, and thank you for leading Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church to make this such an important emphasis of our church. Uh, 
And uh, for all of our listeners that are out there, if you've got any kind of questions at all about small groups or the, any type of comments, please feel free to drop me an email at brojo at smbconline.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, we love all of our listeners out there. We thank you guys so much for tuning in. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Giano's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Giano Sims.